2: What up my people KJ podcast that time of week my favorite time in front of the microphone talking San Francisco 49ers we have Evan Silva joining the pod a little later rotoworld.com brilliant mind we had a pretty macro discussion of the 49ers looking ahead to 2019 looking at some ways they can fix this football team. That's what we do on the KJ podcast, bluewirepods.com. Yo, a lot of you have randomly been emailing me how you can help out. Kevin at bluewirepods.com. It's been tremendous. It's been awesome. We're beating projections in our download counts. MyBookie.ag is a sponsor. If you're going to gamble, sign up on that link. Get some free money. Helps us out. I do want to take time to acknowledge the Camp Fire in Northern California. It's a natural disaster out here. there has been a lot of lives lost, property damage. Paradise, California is the most notable town right now in the news. This is devastating times, guys. Um, I've been around some hurricanes on the East Coast. This is uh, one of the worst things I've ever seen, and it's a tragedy. And I, I hope this community, it does seem like people are coming together, and I hope Anyone who listens to this who's been affected, you know, I'm thinking of you. We don't get too serious often on the podcast, but I wanted to take time to acknowledge there's serious stuff going on. Shout out to the firefighters, EMTs, everyone. This sucks. Life happens, and it's it's crazy. A lot of people are, are going to be changed forever from this. A lot of you guys are Niners fans. Maybe you can listen to this, and uh, let's escape here. Let's talk about the football team. On Twitter... I don't get to say all my thoughts. I have a 240-word tweet. It doesn't explain the whole context of the situation. So I pulled up three of my tweets before we get to Evan Silva. I just want to go over them and go a little bit deeper. Um, First one, Kyle and John Lynch have hard discussions soon on whether the Seattle scheme is aging well in today's NFL and if they have the elite players to play it or not. This is a discussion I think happens before the bye week. In every NFL building, before everyone goes to Mexico, huddles with their family, really gets out of town, unplugs from football, and the Niners deserve this, even though they stink. It's week 11. um, They deserve to do this. The head coaches and GMs get together. There's a big action item list, and I mean, this is like any job. Just because they're running an NFL team, they have a to-do list. And what they're going to do on defense is probably the biggest issue in the building right now. Kyle is going to be fine. Jimmy G is going to come back and be very competitive. I'm not really worried about the offense. They have some receivers to find, some upgrades to make. But it's defense. Can you continue to play the cover three Seattle scheme without pass rushers and corners? You're going to bank, you try and find them, but if you don't and you go into year three and the defense is still letting you down, there's going to be some finger pointing and blaming and you're setting up the situation if you don't address that at all. Players look confused lining up still. Discipline and zone coverage is really poor. Are players being developed or are they just not very good players? I tend to agree that it's they're just not very good players which is still John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan's fault. We, we brought up Solomon Thomas and Akilah Witherspoon. Like I don't even hammer that point home anymore in this podcast. You know where I stand on those players. They're probably misses. I'm not totally low on Reuben Foster. There's people tweeting me that he's a bust. Let's not go there yet. So maybe they do stick with the scheme and say we've got to draft better defensively. Maybe they splash on the defensive side in free agency. But there's got to be a discussion right now this this can't be festering in the next season. Like, they've really got to address do we need to change our scheme? Are we bringing in a new coordinator? Robert Salas shouldn't be a scapegoat. Could he do a better job? Of course. But we all knew they had no edge rushers and they didn't have depth at corner. A third round pick, Darvarius Moore, it was essentially a redshirt pick. Their draft picks have been the number one mistake, I think, why the defense. Isn't that good? Fred Warner is really the only player they've drafted that's making a big impact on defense. Think about that. Richard Sherman was a free agent. Buckner they inherited from Balky. Ronald Blair they inherited from Balky. Who have they drafted that's making a big splash on defense? That's going to be topic number one. Uh, Topic number two, I don't know if they addressed this before the bye week, But I think it does need to be addressed. If there's a criticism of Kyle, maybe it's that he's put too much on his plate as head coach, offensive coordinator, and final say talent evaluator. Adam Kaplan has said it on this podcast. It's it's believed that Kyle, especially on offense, has final say. He has final say of the 53. They've said John Lynch has final say of the 90. Who knows what they actually do, but... I just don't think Kyle is watching college tape year-round, and if John Lynch is making a mistake drafting Solomon Thomas, Kyle is not prepared enough to say, no, 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 we can't do this. If you're picking someone in the first round, you're thinking, okay, we've got to watch every single tape. But whatever they're identifying on defense, they're missing Jamal Adams, and they're missing Derwin James, and they're, they're not hitting on their guys yet. Sometimes it takes a little while for things to click. Maybe because they're on the six-year contract, it's, you know, they drafted more redshirt guys this year is what it seemed. But and Warner are making a big difference and not many of the other 2018 picks are in the 2017 class has regressed. So um, this is a little bold. I've said another set of eyes for the front office is a real thing. I'll throw a name out there, Brian Hermedinger. It would be a contrarian voice. Uh, Mike Hermerdinger is his dad who is tight with Mike Shanahan. They have family history. I don't think Brian and Kyle are that tight, but Hermerdinger is VP of personnel for the Jets. They're probably all going to be gone. The Jets have made some decent draft picks. Their young core on defense of Leonard Williams, Jamal Adams, their defense is, is really not a bad unit at all. This guy has been a part of drafting some good defensive talent. I am not opposed to bringing another chef in the kitchen because I, I just think that Adam Peters and John Lynch are buddy-buddy. And, you know, we're, we're guesstimating here on what goes on inside the building. We don't know the types of discussions they have. But I, I, I think they're too in sync with each other. There's too much kumbaya. And maybe adding someone, a hellraiser to that room, a Brian Hermidinger, a, a new set of eyes who hasn't been around since they started together here, and is coming in and saying, hey, 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 this is wrong. I, I think they need that set of eyes. And I think because Kyle is also the offensive coordinator and game planning every week and scheming, and that is his strength. And he's the head coach. He's setting the message. He's reading about the football team. What are people saying? Like, how do we mitigate stuff? There's a lot on his plate, and I, I do think bringing that extra set of eyes in would help. All right, third tweet. Niners are minus 36 in point differential in 10 games, that's 3.6 points per game. Jimmy Garoppolo is worth 4 points per game. People freaking out about this team. Really aren't comprehending how important the QB position is. The roster does need upgrades, but Jimmy G and Kyle can mask flaws. This is the key stat of the whole season. They keep this at minus 36. They're in the middle of the pack. The two teams next to them are the Falcons and the Broncos. Falcons are 4 and 5, Broncos are 3 and 6. The Niners are closer to that without Jimmy Garoppolo than they are the Raiders, the Bills. This team is not as terrible as their record. And some of the people on Twitter don't understand the context here. Without your star quarterback, you will lose to better quarterbacks, even if you have a better play caller. It's that simple in the NFL. Look at Pat Mahomes, how he's playing, and look at Kansas City. It's the correlation of quarterback play to record is at an all-time high. You cannot get away with a quarterback who's not good. C.J. Beathard is not good. He had a little flashes. Nick Mullins is okay. They've been more competitive. I do think Jimmy Garoppolo will channel December, and this football team they would be 6 and 4 right now maybe 5 and 5 i think 4 and 6 at the absolute worst but i'm just saying that point differential keep your eye on that number more than the record the close losses are frustrating as shit but it shows you that this team is not on jupiter they they're they're close to earth they're close to figuring it out let's toss this thing to evan silva of roto world get his thoughts on the niners season so far KJ podcast, my guy, Evan Silva, he's been covering the league for years. We get him on every now and then. We're going to get his perspective on the Niners. What's going on, man?
3: Uh, It's going pretty good, man. I I wish that the season would have turned out a little bit more positively, gotten some better injury luck for San Francisco. I had uh, relatively high hopes, at least, you know, not necessarily that they were going to be a playoff team, but definitely that they were going to take a step forward and, hey, you lose your quarterback, it's going to be difficult to take a step forward. I think that there have been a lot of promising signs so far in the season. Um, And I'm excited to talk about the Niners with you.
2: Me too. And there's been kind of some skepticism of Kyle Shanahan, not the whole fan base, but people are pointing out that without Jimmy G he's three and 17 in two seasons. They've lost a lot of close games. The offense oftentimes doesn't look buttoned up in the fourth quarter is what's the league-wide perception of Kyle right now? He's scheming brilliantly. You know, he's getting the most out of Nick Mullins. Maybe C.J. Beathard was the wrong pick. We'll get into their draft class later. But as a whole right now, I mean, the 49ers are 2-8. and eight. The season has not gone the way they wanted. But is Kyle Shanahan, he's not on the hot seat, obviously, but what's his view around the league?
3: I don't think that anyone's down on Kyle Shanahan. I, I, I don't, like, from an outsider's view. And, look, I know that there's – Definitely impatience when you're really close to the situation, not from you, but, you know, from, um, you know, fans and, and and the like. I'm sure that there is a level of impatience and a lot of close losses. You know, you mentioned that it's interesting because that's not necessarily predictive of what's going to come in the future. You know, we'll see that that's actually one of the best ways to um, you know, do a lot of work with um, Warren Shark uh, looking at. Uh, uh season win totals for NFL teams and one of the things that you look at one of the the best data points as a predictor is uh, 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 close like losses in close games losses in one score games and if a team you know in one particular year had a lot of one score losses you know in a lopsided number of uh, one score losses, they are likely to regress positively back toward the mean in, uh, the forthcoming season. So you can kind of just like fade what happened in the one score games, the previous season, and it can actually be a positive predictor for you in the future. And you can flip it around the other way. Um, if a team, you know, went like five and one in one score games, they're likely to regress the other way. Um, yeah, so I know that there's frustration and there's impatience, but I think that from an outsider view, no one is down on Kyle Shanahan. Um, and I, I think that they have a lot of young talent on the team, but they lost their quarterback, you know, and, and they have a lot of young players too.
2: Yeah, a ton. I think we all believe the offense will be fine next season with Jimmy Garoppolo. They're going to operate at least at a top 12 level. They looked pretty good to start the season when he was healthy. Defense is another story. Playing predominantly, cover three is getting exposed Some of their draft picks, Solomon Thomas, Akilah Witherspoon, are not panning out. I don't think they're going to fire Robert Sala, but I don't know if there's a quick fix to this defense. They're going to have a top 10 pick. It's likely going to come on that side of the football. Evan, they kind of ignored Jamal Adams in the draft. They ignored Derwin James. Now, Mike McGlinchey is a good player. It's just some of their defensive evaluations have been off, and I think it's plaguing this team. The defense should have been further along this season, in my opinion.
3: I agree with you. And certainly there have been injuries on the defensive side. You know, Ruben Foster has missed some time um, in this. The safety unit has just been, you know, musical chairs every single week. Um, Richard Sherman was banged up a little bit there for a while. You know, there have definitely been injuries, but every team experiences injuries and you have to be able to overcome them. And with the, this, this you know, s- Seattle, like cover three style scheme, you know, we've seen it across the league, and the teams that just have great talent and run that scheme, they're really, really good. The Seahawks for many years, you know, the Jaguars uh, were, were very, very good defensively with that same scheme. Uh, but then, you know, teams, when, when they don't have as much talent and they try to run this scheme, they get exposed, you know, and the 49ers are in that group. They do have some good players, but they don't have good pass rush uh, and you know they've they've lost a lot of players in the secondary. A- Akella Witherspoon has been atrocious. You know, um, you look at Atlanta. You know, they could kind of keep it together when they had. Uh, you know, they're running the same st- style of scheme. They could keep it together when they had really good talent. But you know, the the scheme is like it's you you don't necessarily game plan for your opponent each week. You play the same style every week. And you just need great players. And guess what? It's not easy to get a ton of great players at every position like the Seahawks had for many years, you know, like the Jaguars have had uh, in recent years. So I I don't love the scheme. You know, I think that um, I like teams that are a little bit more selective with their blitzing. You know, the 49ers pretty much never blitz. Uh, That's not a component of uh, the of this style of defense. And it's not opponent-specific, so I, I'm I'm not really a big fan of that at all.
2: Yeah, it's just line them up and play them. You don't have the guys to line right. them up and play. I don't want to fire Robert Sala, but I don't think he's going to be able to change the scheme. And then you've got young players and a new system, and you're starting over. So they've kind of got a mess here. They've got to untangle themselves. It starts with Solomon Thomas, too. He's been much better playing on the inside than he has at defensive end still not a dominant player. I guess they're going to continue to let this charade pan out and, and give him snaps, but it's it's kind of likely they're going to be picking another D lineman. If they have a top five pick, they're picking number two right now. Nick Bosa is going to be in play. Ed Oliver is going to be in play. I just don't know what they're going to do with Solomon Thomas going forward.
3: Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, you may just have to kind of take the L and turn him into um, like a third defensive tackle, you know, um, and, and that's just kind of what he's going to be, or maybe even a fourth guy. I mean, you know, just they're, they're going to play him on the inside. They absolutely need to get edge rushers, whether or not Robert Solly is back, whether or not they, you know, go get someone a little bit more aggressive to run the defense. They're going to need guys who can rush the passer. Uh, and, you know, they have, a, they get a little bit of that um, from their down defensive linemen, but they, they just don't, We and we knew this going into the season that they didn't have, big time talent on the edge. And, you know, so we, we should really should not be surprised. And, you know, that game against Oakland was an obvious fluke, you, you know, that, that the Oakland, Oakland is just trash.
2: Oh, it's inflated all the stats now, and then you can yeah, kind of make right, a case yeah. at the end of the season. The 49ers were good at rushing the passer. They weren't at all.
3: No, it's like they, they went into that game like bottom four in like every pass rush metric, and all of a sudden they were like middle of the pack after playing the Raiders.
2: The Raiders. We don't e- we're not even going to go there. It's so easy to trash them. Right. See, that, that's what I've been saying. At least the Niners are not like that. The locker room's not lost. People believe in Kyle and John Lynch. That's kind of the only win they're taking away from the season. In addition to Matt Breida, in addition to George Kittle, there have been many wins. I think the biggest win from the season is the running game, Uh, just the blocking in general, the schemes. And it is projecting itself that if Jimmy Garoppolo can come in and perform with this running game, that next season, this could be a top 10 offense.
3: Yeah, I mean, I've been really impressed with the 49ers run blocking, as you mentioned. Um, the pass protection has been really inconsistent from the offensive line. But, you know, again, these are th- – there, there are a lot of young dudes, uh, you know, on the offensive line and – or a lot of new dudes. and uh, But they have been very good in this one aspect. They needed to kind of – everything to kind of come together uh, to become a truly elite offensive line. But no doubt they have this one portion down. It's, it's funny, like, you'll – you know, you think just – is it a good offensive line? Is it a bad offensive line? Some offensive lines are really good in one area and bad in another area. And it's kind of weird. The Cowboys have been terrible in pass protection this year, but they've been an elite run blocking unit. San Francisco has been kind of like that. Uh, The Lions have been kind of like that. They've really fallen apart in terms of pass protection, but they've been very good uh, in terms of run blocking. So. Um, I don't know. That's just kind of a weird thing that has stuck stuck out to me this season.
2: Yeah, and this is the way Kyle builds the team, too. McGlinchey was kind of a head-scratcher pick when they made it a 9, then they traded Trent Brown the next day. It's panning out so far. So I think fans who are looking for some type of encouragement, you you can look at the O-line. Jimmy Garoppolo, we know he's not a a flawless prospect. He's 6-3, with the Niners as a starter, his ceiling is still high. He's 27. I still think he can reach a Matt Ryan level, whether or not he's an MVP. Um, but I, I think he can be better than Matt Ryan if he can put it all together. This is obviously projections. We're looking at 2019. That's, that's kind of what Niners fans have to do right now. Are you, are you concerned about Jimmy Garoppolo? Are you confident that he can hit a level where this offense is going to operate at a high level?
3: Yeah, I mean, I'm just concerned. Like, how many first-round picks do you think that they'll be able to get Trump for him uh, because they're going to be rolling with Nick Mullins? So do you think that they'll be getting, like, two or, or three ones for Jimmy Garoppolo? No, so- I'm, I'm, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. <laughs> uh, the, I mean, if there is a silver lining here, it's that the injury occurred very early in the season. You know, So it's not going to be a situation like Carson Wentz, who, I mean, he, he's been fine this year, but he hasn't been the same. And he didn't even play the first couple of games, you know, because he suffered his injury. And um, in I believe it was week 14 last year and he wasn't, you know, he wasn't available for anything in the preseason, you know, did very light work, you know, for most of training camp, wasn't ready for the first two games. Uh, and, and he also tore multiple ligaments uh, with Jimmy Garoppolo. I believe it, it was a clean tear. And it occurred very early in the season. So he should be ready to go. I mean, I think that he'll probably be ready to go by the end of OTAs, if not right when everything starts. Um, and I, I definitely still have high, high hopes for him. They need to add some more talent uh, at wide receiver. Marquise Goodwin is really, really explosive, you know. And I mean, I don't want to take anything away from him, but he's, you know, a certain kind of player. And they played a lot of mix and match throughout the rest of the receiver core. We've seen a lot of Kendrick Bourne lately. You know, I think that Pierre Garcon has had some decent moments, but he's still, you know, a guy that he's he's not, you know, a, a critical piece of the future. Um, Trent Taylor, I, you know, they haven't really committed to him. Like, they've been kind of rotating him with Richie James at times. Richie James has flashed, you know, but they, they do not have an alpha uh, at all in the wide receiver core. George Kittle is an alpha at tight end, but – I would like to see them add wide receiver talent and talent at edge rusher this offseason. All
2: right, guys, mybookie.ag. This is simple. Go on the website, put your name in, your address, promo code BLUEWIRE, say you put in $50, you get a 50% deposit bonus, which means they give you 25 free dollars to play on top of that 50. MyBookie is giving out free money People have been turning $100 into $600 every week. College basketball, football, NBA, prop bets, esports. My bookie is the one bet I've been making. Help us out. Blue Wire is the promo code. They've been in business for a year. They've got great online reviews. Their mobile site is easy to use. They sponsor a lot of big podcasts. I'm pumped to be included with them. Yo, make sure you're following them on Twitter at BetMyBookie. They're literally giving away money. They respond to DMs. They're giving away $10,000 this football season. Don't miss out, guys. I don't know what they do, Evan, because I don't think they're going to splash for Golden Tate or Randall Cobb at this point in their career. They're going to have to look at the trade market. It's not going to be Beckham or Mike Evans who just got locked up for big money. A criticism of Kyle has been he doesn't try and acquire stars at receiver. Dante Pettis is the other name that we haven't mentioned here. Second-round pick has been a no-show this year. He's been banged up a little bit. Last week he looked a little slow against the Giants. Maybe he's not fully healthy. Yeah, they have a ton to address here at wide receiver. It's tricky because they do have some guys but no alpha. I I don't think they're going to splash for Golden Tate or Randall Cobb in free agency Do you?
3: No. And I mean, those guys are slot guys too. And I think that they can get by with Richie James and Trent Taylor as slot guys. Kendrick Bourne has played a little bit in the slot too. Um, Dante Pettis is like kind of profiles as a guy that uh, could play in the slot as well. Although I believe he's been mostly outside this year. Um, I'm not sure, you know, you, you go back and look at Kyle Shanahan's history and he has had alphas in the past. I mean, he was the OC in Houston with Andre Johnson and uh, he was, of course, the head coach with Julio Jones. Um, but we remember when he was talking at what the coaches' breakfast or whatever, and you know, somebody asked him, uh, you know, is it important to have to have that number one receiver? And he kind of said, no, you kind of just, you kind of just, you know, you can make adjustments um, just based on the talent that you have is basically what he said. And um, you you would always rather have a Julio Jones. Shoot, you rather have five Julio Jones, you know, but, um, those guys are, they don't grow on trees and, um, you know, it, it's not easy to get them. So I, I, I don't know, but I, I definitely think that they're going to add at that position, whether it be in free agency or, uh, via the draft again.
2: I guess the other tough decision they'll have this off is Jarek McKinnon towards ACL right before the season was going to be a huge part of this offense. Breida does look like a running back one, but maybe ideally he is running back two, so you can really keep him healthy. They have an out in McKinnon's contract. They could just pay him $10 million for this season and get out of the full thing. A lot of people said it was a lot of money for McKinnon at that time. He'll be coming off a knee. He's getting closer to 30 than 25 It's going to be a tough decision. They do have cap room. They do need playmakers. He's probably back, but he might be fighting for a job with Matt Breida
3: yeah and just going back to Kyle Shanahan's history too, and his dad, I mean he was you know Mike Shanahan was the first guy who really said, Hey, you know running backs are not as valuable as you know maybe a lot of people think I mean they're great in fantasy football and they're flashy, and we love to watch them, but you know they're not as val as valuable and uh, as people think and shoot he traded what Clinton Portis in his, you know in the very early of his prime to the Redskins for uh champ bailey and like a second round pick um and you know looking back on that that would be if if anybody did that in today's nfl it would be like oh my god you know um but he would always have a a rotation and in houston uh they would have a lot of rotational backfields in washington they had rotational backfields but they did ultimately you know they preferred to settle on a main guy Uh, and it was alfred morris in washington for the most part in houston it was Steve Slayton, uh, at least for one year. Uh, and now in San Francisco, I mean, they, they want to kind of settle on one guy, and it has been Matt Breida, but the dude's 185 pounds, you know, and he, it's hard for him to take that pounding. Uh, I do think that they'll probably bring in another back, maybe like a middle-round pick or a real cheap free agent, but I think they're probably going to go into next season with McKinnon and uh, and Matt Breida, and, you know, I'm sure that Raheem Mostert will be back, uh, you know to compete, uh, but yeah, I think that it. I think that right now I would project it as just Brita and McKinnon atop the depth chart for 2019.
2: Wrapping up with Evan Silva. Have you seen enough of Nick Mullins? Probably not. It's early, but it looks better than CJ Beathard. The offense has more rhythm. It's been two crappy opponents mm-hmm. in the Raiders and Giants, so you can't get too excited. But undrafted guy coming in on prime time, running Kyle's complex system, no wristband. He he's looked the part. If he continues playing like this, it's pretty clear he's going to be the number two over C.J. Beathard.
3: Yeah. So one thing that, that I've also noticed over the years is that um, with backup court quarterbacks, the more they play and the more that the sample size grows on them, kind of the worse that they get. You know, they, they play more and they get worse. And that clearly happened with C.J. Beathard, who definitely had some success early on, but you know, more and more his deficiencies showed up. He just really lacks like pocket awareness, the feel, like, feel inside the pocket. Um, Cause he's a pretty good athlete. Uh, and I mean, he, you know, makes a handful of, of impressive throws per game, but the more that he played, the worse he got. And to me, that's indicative of, of a likely NFL backup, you know, like guys like Colt McCoy would come in and have, you know, short-term success, but then the more they played, you know, the worst they got or Blaine Gabbert, you know, he will sometimes have like a, a good game or two initially when he gets an opportunity, but he always ends up, you know, kind of playing his, his way out of uh, out of the position. Uh, and, you know, they the, the team always wants to turn to somebody else. So if Nick Mullins can keep it up, and I did think that his second game was not as impressive as his first game, um, but if he can kind of maintain a more consistent level uh, over the over the course of the season, then I think that they can be very comfortable that he is a viable number two for next season. I kind of liked him in the preseason. He actually committed a ton of turnovers in the preseason, but you know, I'm big into preseason daily fantasy, which sounds crazy, but it's awesome. And, uh, you know, like there would be weeks where I wouldn't be playing Nick Mullins and I'd see him just going off, um, you know, and watching the preseason games. And there was just something about him. I couldn't quite put my finger on him, but I kind of liked him. You know, he, he moved the offense. You know, at the end of the day, that's really what, what it's all about. And if the guy can show that he can move the offense, he, you know, he's not a starter. But if he can move the offense, that's all you can ask of an NFL backup.
2: Let's say it's year three and the Niners are losing again. They're like four and seven next year. Jimmy Garoppolo's struggling. The defense is still with Salah and they haven't really improved. Then you are going to start to hear some whispers, and possibly, oh, the Niners are bringing in someone to the front office. I don't think they would get fired in year three, but there's definitely going to be pressure on this football team to win next season.
3: Look, if they, you know, they're going to have positive indicators. We talked about the one score games. That's going to be a positive data point working in their favor. You know, they're going to get a lot of dudes back that were injured this year. That's going to be another positive indicator. They're, you know, we, we never know until the actual schedule is released, but they're likely to have an easier schedule based on their record. They are going to be picking, you know, at the top of each round, you know, so, and they do have a lot of cap space still. So they really are in, uh, a, a, you know, what you can envision being an upward trajectory moving forward.
2: Evan Silva, appreciate you, my dude. We'll talk again after the season. Thanks, Kevin. All right, Evan Silva was awesome. Hope you enjoyed that interview. One of the brighter NFL content creators in the game. BlueWirePods.com, we're growing quickly. Email me, Kevin, at BlueWirePods.com. You want to get involved? You want to learn more? I like our download counts. I like seeing KMBR dropping a little bit in the ratings. This is a competition. This is a business. Let's convert people to podcasting. This is a good use of your time. You just learned a lot about the 49ers, minimal commercial interruption. We're going to continue to deliver content like this about all teams, all sports subjects. Blue wire. KJ Podcast. Enjoy the bye week. We'll talk to you again next week. It'll be Niners Buccaneers. Peace.